Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ask a Scientist podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Anu Kumar. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about a news story that happened uh, over the summer uh, regarding uh, the use of an Ancestry DNA website to try and catch a famous serial killer. Um, so the killer in question was the Golden State Killer out in California, and the news story that was published about this uh, event regarded the use of this person's DNA to match them to a family member with the use of an Ancestry DNA site. So we're going to be talking a little bit about how the science of this sort of industry works and what we can see from that in the future. So today I want to go ahead and introduce my guest for this episode, Alex. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you? Good, good, doing great. So can you just tell me a little bit more about yourself, what are you studying, and what kind of work do you do? Sure, so I'm a graduate student in the anthropology department here at the University of Tennessee. Um, in anthropology, my focus is on molecular anthropology, so a lot of my work deals with degraded DNA. The focus of my particular research is on skeletal DNA degradation, and so a lot of that work is done out at our decomposition research facility that is pretty world-renowned at this point, mm -hmm. um, and using kind of a mock burial. So looking at three individuals in a burial and then how their preservation of their DNA um, looks over time, essentially. Although it's at a single time point, so after four years, um, how does their DNA look in the different bones and which bone mm -hmm. is kind of best for DNA sampling and analysis. That's really cool. Was there a reason that you were attracted to this type of research? Anthropology in general or just like that specific research? Kind of both. Yeah, I mean, I think over time just taking a lot of classes in my undergraduate focused my interest in anthropology and I took a lot of, I was a double major in biology and got really interested in molecular science in general mm -hmm. um, and I've always been interested in forensic identification. And so kind of combining anthropology with molecular analyses and going into forensic identification made me more interested in skeletal DNA in particular. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when you have um, advanced states of decomposition, really all you can use for a forensic identification is either the bones or the teeth. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty important to understand which element you can sample um, for DNA testing because not all of them actually uh, degrade in the same way over time. Wow, I didn't know that. That's very interesting. Awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and get into the topics for this episode. So many people don't really understand uh, what a scientist means when they say the word genomics. Uh, so can you give us a description of what exactly genomics is? I'll try. I think it's a pretty <laughs> complicated uh, word and people define it differently, uh, which isn't helpful. But basically, I think of genomics, one, as the study of genomes, which isn't very helpful because then you're just like, well, what is a genome? How I would define a genome would be basically all the genetic material, including the DNA and all of the elements that are associated with that. So looking at genes, you could look at coding genes, you could look at not coding regions of the DNA, basically everything that that encompasses. But there are a lot of other omics, so there's like transcriptomics and proteomics and metabolomics, mm -hmm. and they're all like looking at different components. So like transcriptomics would be looking at uh, like RNA, so looking at transcription, and proteomics would be looking at proteins. So they're, mm -hmm. they're very specific areas that you're looking at. But I also think that genomics kind of implies the use of 
sort of intense computational methods. It usually involves big data methods mm -hmm. um, and intense computation to understand a certain problem. Okay, awesome, thank you. Um, so when you mentioned um, kind of like the implication of like computations and stuff like that, um, can you give an example of like what an application of genomics is that like people uh, might be aware of, like everyday people might be aware of? Uh, sure, so there's so many applications um, and I'm sure people are aware of applications for like healthcare and a lot that's going on with microbiome science which makes its way into like Scientific America and even just New York Times and other articles. Uh, probably one of the biggest ones though is ancestry testing, mm -hmm. um, especially since the news of like Elizabeth Warren coming out with her DNA recently, her Native American heritage, uh, that's really been in the news lately. Yeah. Um, and I think it's brought that to the forefront of everyone's mind. So definitely ancestry DNA testing, like ancestry.com and 23andMe and all those sites. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so that leads into our next topic of ancestry sites. Um, so how do ancestry sites or companies, websites who claim to discover more information about your genetic heritage work? Yeah, so basically these companies, they're going to collect a DNA sample from you. And so they're not actually, they're going to be collecting like a, a saliva sample or something like that, that they can then extract your DNA and then they'll sequence your DNA for specific regions. So usually they're looking at SNP panels. So SNPs are basically single nucleotide polymorphisms and those are like substitutions and specific bases in your DNA. Mm -hmm. So your DNA is made up of four bases, like your HGCs, Ts, I feel like most people say that. Yeah. Um, and then when you get a substitution out over time of one of those, that would be considered a SNP. Okay. And so they're looking at thousands of these that are supposedly informative for your ancestry. So that kind of goes more into like a philosophical question, like what does it mean on someone's ancestry report if they're like 10% Scandinavian or 10% Sri Lankan? This kind of can differ. So I think one thing to kind of point out about these companies is that they're not all going to give you the same result. Mm -hmm. um, so these companies, they use different algorithms they have different like reference databases. So basically your DNA will be sequenced for these certain SNPs and then those SNPs are gonna be compared to a reference database using an algorithm that's also been designed based on other databases. And so mm -hmm. all of this is gonna affect the outcome of your results. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're also gonna be defining like the 10% Scandinavian or Sri Lankan based on probability statistics and confidence intervals. So it really depends on the, the confidence level that they're giving you and the algorithms and the mm -hmm. reference databases that they're basing it off of. So like 95% confidence is better than like a 75% confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and really it can mean whatever you, you really want it to mean as an individual who's getting those results. Basically they're trying to show you that out of the variants that they tested, 10% seem to in, are similar to like those from those regions. Mm -hmm. Defining like, whether they actually got DNA from people from those regions may or may not be true. So they could have just used people who self-reported that they were from there, and then those DNA are in the reference databases. I'm not exactly sure how they're developing, I guess, the reference databases referring to certain areas where people are, are giving their DNA. Like, uh -huh. are they actually from those regions or not? Mm -hmm. Or is it self-reported? 
I'm not really sure. And then also the results can be can vary based on a number of other factors. So I think one thing that everyone should consider is that human variation isn't really discrete. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to have like this genetic barrier that exists between one country and another. It's going to be rather smooth from one area across mm-hmm. regions. Uh, so you're definitely going to have some overlapping variation between one area and another. So whether you're you have ancestors who come from that geographic region or not, you know, maybe, maybe not. Um, but probably the, the, the greater the confidence is, the, the better the likelihood that that is true is probably real for you. Right. On to the next point. So the Golden State Killer's identity was discovered based on uh, DNA identification from an ancestry site. So can you tell us a little bit more about how DNA can be used to identify individuals from a crime scene standpoint, like a police investigation standpoint? Yeah, so DNA has been used to identify individuals for a few decades. Uh, That's probably important to acknowledge. Um, In forensic science, this is usually done uh, with what we call short tandem repeats. And so these are just areas in the genome that have these repeating bases, so like three to four repeating bases. Mm -hmm. And those repeat sizes will vary. And Mm -hmm. so every time you have different repeat sizes, like say you have seven repeats versus like eight repeats versus Mm -hmm. 10.5 repeats or something like that, those are going to be alleles. And people have different alleles for the the SDRs that are tested. Mm -hmm. So in America, we've generally tested like 13 to 16 STRs to get like a forensic identification. Mm-hmm. And so these are, they're able to actually use these and stati- like probability statistics to show the uniqueness of an STR profile. So with a certain amount, degree of certainty, they're able to say that these, this profile belonged to this individual and that's usually how they convict a criminal or exonerate mm-hmm. an individual from a crime. So that's used quite frequently. Um, and law enforcement actually has their own database to store DNA uh, called the Combined DNA Index System, or CODIS, so that's used quite frequently. It usually contains genetic information from both like suspects and criminals, mm-hmm. um, and they use it, I mean, fairly regularly. So that is not what was going on with the, uh, the Golden State Killers case. So the Golden State Killer, I guess, was implicated in like 50 rapes and 12 murders that seemed to have taken place between 1976 and 1986. Mm -hmm. So that time period in general, that was kind of before we used a whole lot of DNA in forensic analysis Mm -hmm. to prosecute criminals. Um, But they had a sample from one of those cases. And so they were able to take that sample analyze it for DNA, and then what they did was they uploaded it to a third-party website. So we've already kind of described, you have like Ancestry.com, you have 23andMe, you know, MyHeritage, all these companies that you're sending your saliva sample to them, they're analyzing your DNA and they're giving you like sort of an Ancestry output that's, um, that tells you your like biogeographic ancestry where, you know, people may have arisen from in your, in your past. And so, those companies then will give you like a raw data output of your DNA mm-hmm. information. And okay. so, because that belongs to you. So they can give you, you know, all of those base pairs. And then you can take that and upload it to like a third party site. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened in this case. So they have these third party sites, and the one in particular is called GED Match. 
And so this allows you to take your DNA information and then try to find relatives. So like people who are adopted, for instance, could take their DNA and try to find like their biological parents or biological family members if they're interested in that. Mm -hmm. So this site is really for finding familial relationships. It's not for law enforcement. And I think there's like a, a stipulation on the site when you go to submit that you're supposed to be the owner of that information. Like it should be from you or you, you should be the guardian of someone that owns that information or right. something like that. Um, so they did kind of bypass some of the, the licensing of our copyright mm-hmm. or the fine print, I guess, of, of the website. Um, and apparently about 15 million people now have undergo- uh, undergone genetic testing using these commercial companies and are able to submit their profiles in this way. So basically law enforcement then used um, something called identity by descent to kind of link that genetic information to information already in this database. And then they found, as you said, a third, I believe third cousin or mm-hmm. something that led them to the criminal. So that's great because we found a, a, you know, a criminal that otherwise would not have been found. And this yeah. is a cold case from the 70s and 80s. Um, but at the same time, I think that it brings up certain policy implications mm-hmm. and privacy concerns that we need to kind of think about. So I think uh, one of the things that I just wanted to mention is there have been some, like, two awesome publications on this recently in big journals. Mm-hmm. So, like, Science and Cell have had two interesting publications. Science had one about the ability to find someone using this this type of approach so using GED match mm-hmm. using you know a DNA profile that you have like can you find someone that's related easily and they basically showed that 60% of their searches basically found a third cousin using this method Wow and that was easier obviously if you were like of European descent because these these databases are biased towards people of like northern European descent. Just those are the people that are submitting their DNA for testing and those are the people that have been most interested in using this as a resource. Mm -hmm. So that will change as more people from different geographic regions and areas uh, and people with different um, heritages continue to submit their DNA. One thing I know you mentioned was just kind of like how sticky it can be uh, regarding like policy like like it's great that we caught a killer with all of this like um, technology but how is that going to affect just privacy and of like the regular individual just wanting to know more about their heritage so can you just like talk a little bit more about that about privacy concerns of yeah. course so I think that this debate has kind of been ongoing since doing DNA se- sequencing from the get-go so I think there have been laws regarding, uh, you know, insurance companies using this type of information, stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, which have either been, um, I don't know, the laws have either been created or they're in the process of at least there's been a debate about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so conversation is always great surrounding these topics. Um, I personally think that you need to consider the risks and the benefits of something and whether those risks are going to outweigh the benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something that really needs to be thought of with this case in particular because if law enforcement can come in and use sites, um, like genealogy sites, then you submitting your DNA, you're putting people at risk 
who didn't want their DNA in a system. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm submitting my DNA, now I've put pretty much all of my relatives at some sort of risk of being identified when they didn't choose to be identified. Mm -hmm. And so you might think, you know, what does that matter if they're not criminals? Like, sure, that's that's a good a good thing to think about. But I mean, at the same time, you've had governments in the past that have used information like that to target specific people, mm -hmm. right? So you don't want, um, you just don't want this to be used inappropriately. Kind of switching gears, so other than working with law enforcement, what career options could someone have who's interested in genomics or proteomics or all the different uh, little subfields that you mentioned? There's so many um, fields that are now using genomics. So I, I guess just genomics is basically going to be providing this set of tools and methodologies and kind of a theoretical understanding of science that all of these different types of fields can use. Um, so some of the examples uh, could be like forensic biology, which we've kind of already discussed, anthropology, evolutionary science, medicine, um, microbiology and human health has been a big one right now. So the human microbiome in particular has been a hot topic in health. Um, so numerous diseases have been linked to uh, the microbiome and how that's changing and all of that has to do with genomics agriculture and GMO research they're trying to create like drought and insect resistant crops mm -hmm. that's a that's an area of focus food science um, enriching foods for specific nutrients like they have the golden rice with the I think it's enriched for vitamin A or something like that um, bioprospecting discovering and optimizing enzymes with biotechnological or industrial applications could be an area of focus um, pretty much most of the science fields, I think, have found one way or another to mm -hmm. use genomics and proteomics and metabolomics and all these things in their research. Yeah. That is really cool. So it sounds like there's a really like large spectrum of places you can go with oh, yeah. just like a simple interest. Absolutely. In this. Yeah. That's awesome. Out of like some of the things that you mentioned, what are like some of the most common like degree qualifications or like lab experience or work experience that someone might want to have? A lot of these individuals who work in these fields will probably have advanced degrees in STEM fields. So mm -hmm. some of those I've already mentioned, they might have um, you know, bachelor's, master's, or PhDs in biology, biochemistry, genetics, bioinformatics, microbiology, plant sciences. I mean, really, most of the science fields, the sky's pretty much the limit with, you know, genome sciences. Mm -hmm. um, I think it really depends, like the types of degrees, qualifications, the types of experience, all of that is going to depend on your individual goals. Like what do you want to achieve as a researcher or a scientist? Um, if your goal is to kind of be processing DNA samples for forensic analysis, you might only need a bachelor's degree to work in some of those labs. Mm -hmm. You know, if your job in the, in the same type of uh, field is to analyze and go through a lot of the degraded DNA that might require a little bit more of an advanced degree. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to do research like whole genome association studies, you're probably going to need like a PhD or something equivalent. Yeah. So again, just like a wide variety. Right. Yeah. It really just depends on, on what you want to do. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking about this with us today. So just for a quick summary of the points um, that we talked about today, we learned a little bit more about what is genomics, kind of like the definition of it, and some common applications of it, such as ancestry sites, 
as well as the process of how the Golden State Killer's identity was discovered through these ancestry sites, um, as well as some of the risk and benefits that can come with submitting your own DNA to these sites. Um, and then we closed off with looking at some career opportunities for those of you who might be interested in a career using genomics or genetic sciences. So again, our uh, guest today, Alex, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate you like talking about this. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. Oh yeah, no problem.